This is 40K Today. 40K News so safe, it's like a unit of custodies with storm shields inside a magic box out of range. Hi there, 40K friends and 40K family. Welcome to a special best of 40K Today. If you're new to 40K Today, let me tell you, Monday to Friday, we are your daily 15-minute news, views and interviews deep dive into the whole hobby, the whole hobby of Warhammer 40,000. And today we're going to bring you a selection of our favourite interviews from the week gone by. We want to say a massive thank you to our friends at Frontline Gaming for having us in on a Saturday. If you like what you hear, give us a listen during the week at 40ktoday.com or you can find us via your favourite podcast player. I'm your host, Steve Joel, and today on the programme we meet a genuine Warhammer hero. The man has his name on the wall at Warhammer Fest. Also, top player Scarry from Scardcast is going to give us the lowdown on how to play Harlequins with their new rules. Delio Perra just wrote and released some award-winning fan fiction. It's real good. We're going to catch up with him. And Adam from the Army Painter joins us. Their Nordic Shield hand sanitizer is being distributed in schools now. It's a packed show. So let's get it started. Real quick, who else is looking forward to the big preview from G-Dub on Twitch today, 2pm British summertime? I wonder what we're going to find out. A lot of people have high hopes for this big preview. Uh, Join us on the show on Monday for a full breakdown of what's happened. We'll break it down for you. We'll have a close look at all the details. Now, we love highlighting Warhammer heroes on the show, and we've met some really great ones, people who champion the game in their local community, or who organise tournaments, or who create content, all just for the love of the game. We know there's no money in this stuff. This time round, we meet a man who has his name on the wall of heroes at Warhammer Fest, a legit Warhammer hero. He's a husband and father and hobbyist and blogger, and he even helps run a school club. John Damaris caught up with our hero, Andrew Dart. Hello, Andrew. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. And let's let's just talk about this thing. You're a legitimate Warhammer hero, which I think is really, really, really cool. So, like, we run a segment on the show that we call Warhammer Heroes, but you're actually dubbed <laughs> by Grant Games Workshop as a legitimate Warhammer I'm a hero. Literal with, hero. That's right. With with a with your a plaque on the wall, right, uh, and everything, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, big metal, big ceremony. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. So some of our listeners might not even know that GW has this Warhammer Hero program. You want to talk a little bit about what it is, and then we'll get into like how you got sure. how you got there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it started in 2018, uh, two years ago, and they uh, essentially opened up to the whole world uh, the, this casting call, effectively, and people can send in nominations for someone they feel is a. Uh, proponent of the hobby or someone that has an impact on the hobby in some positive way. And uh, the Games Workshop would collect all of these the, these nominations and they'd sift through them, which I'm sure there were thousands of them, and, and they would uh, pick the best, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, and uh, get back to those people, tell them they've been nominated, tell them that they won if they met the process, the criteria, and uh, there'd be a big ceremony, like, like a banquet kind of ceremony. They'd fly you up and Give you a big medal and a handshake and a fancy dinner. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is that is so cool. So um, one of the things I'm going to ask you for is if you have some pictures from that by chance. And yeah. we'll, we'll definitely link those on our social and link back to – because I know you do hobby vices and some pretty cool things. Sure. So if you were to guess – now I know that they don't actually 
tell you what you're nominated for, but if you were to guess, what, what would you think that you were not, what was the reason why you were nominated? What are the things that you're doing? So the biggest thing that I do probably that people notice is the Ho-Ho Hobby Vices events. Uh, I've been doing it for four years so far. And what it is, is I will collect uh, people that they send me their names, they send me their addresses, all their <laughs> all their personal information, I guess, which I, I keep secure. And, <laughs> and what, I, what I do is I, I put it in a spreadsheet and I essentially hit the big red button and it, it randomizes it. And people get blind paired with somebody else. And so it's a secret Santa swap and you don't know who's sending you your gift because you are not sending that person a gift. It's totally hundred uh, percent blind in that sense. And it's really fun to see it play out on social media. People tag it and, and you can look it up and see all their gifts. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And then you're, you're connecting people from all over the world, right? With this really neat, very personal thing. Cause painting a model is kind of a, it's kind of a personal thing for somebody to share like that. So that's really cool. Really it is, cool. Yeah. So, um, well, that's, that's awesome. So you're a legitimate Warhammer hero. You do this. Do you do other things in the, in the community? Like I, I heard that you do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I, I run a school club, a school Warhammer club for my, my students. Um, and we, and we meet every lunch hour and we play some games and, you know, just be a bunch of teenagers <laughs> rolling dice. And it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I also have a, a fairly large discord server, which is free to anybody to join. Um, we just talk shop and, critique each other's hobby stuff and give tips and tricks and advice. And it's just a overall welcoming place to be, to, to be a, a part of. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely link that as well. So, so I mean, not that I want to put you on the spot or anything, but mm -hmm. you truly are an ambassador for the <laughs> game, right? Like, like yeah. you, you're, you're affecting kids, you're connecting people from across the world. It's not hard to imagine why GW would have chosen you, chosen you as a, a Warhammer hero. And, and you guys can't see this, but I can. He's blushing over here. Uh, <laughs> poor Andrew. <laughs> I I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very modest. Um, you know, I, I, I joke a lot about being a hero. You know, I'll, I'll say I wear my medal all the time. But, um, you know, I, it's, it's never about me. It, it's always about the, the kids and the people in the hobby, the community that, that we just have to be welcoming and, and just, just open to, to all the people that, that want to be a part of it. Cause whether you're uh, a hardcore tournament player or a, a casual kind of fluffy player, you just paint models, you collect, we're all in the same hobby regardless. And we just have to be accommodating of each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think that could have been said any better. And I mean, the, the cool thing about the hobby is, is it, it covers a whole range of people, young to old, you know, um, and even now we're seeing more and more women. So we're crossing that gender barrier where yeah. we didn't see that as much before. Um, and then we see, like you said, uh, super good hobbyists and people that are playing with just gray models because they enjoy the game or the lore, people that engage sure. it with books or the video games, you know, it's in, and soon we're going to have a show on TV. Like it's just growing like gangbusters. And I just want to take a moment and just thank you for <laughs> your contribution, right? Because it, it's a big deal. Like it is, you know, when, when you are getting kids involved and you're getting people involved with each other, like, and, and let's be honest, there's, you're not doing that for your benefit, right? Like right, it might make right. you feel good. You get the feel goods for it. That's cool. But that's a lot of work to take on just to make the community better. And so I think, sir, that's why you're a Warhammer hero. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Thanks again. That's John Damaris speaking with Andrew Dutt. You can find out more about Andrew and follow his adventures in the hobby via his blog, hobbyvices.org. We'll make sure that link is in the show notes today. Now, Archon Scari, you've probably heard of him. He's been producing all kinds of amazing 40K content for a while. 
for a long time. He's got his own channel. He's part of Art of War. He's part of a whole bunch of stuff. He features on Mini Wargaming. He's one of the good guys, and John Damaris was lucky enough to sit down with him and get his impression on the Harlequins after their White Dwarf update for Psychic Awakening. All right, Denison of the Dark, Archon Scarry. Were you as excited as everyone else seems to be about the new Harlequin buffs that are coming out in White Dwarf? Their Psychic Awakening, as it were? Laughingly so. Yes, I was. Okay. Very excited. Perfect. Why don't you t- why don't you highlight a few of the things in there that you think are going to make a big difference and from a competitive standpoint, like maybe give us your top three things that Harlequin's got, and then we can talk about some of the other notable mentions. Top three things. Uh, the first is the utility of the characters has increased exponentially. Whether you're running a death jester that can now deny Overwatch or do multiple hits on larger units to make it more effective against larger Horde-style units, or a Shadow Seer, for example, that can now not only shield your units from harm or just infantry, but with the new stratagems, shield vehicles and bikes uh, with the minus one to wound aura, as well as increasing that defensive aura and even making the enemy rangers, like enemy weapons, be out of range, which I think... Re- is is crazy powerful in in a game of maneuverability and in a game of inches um, when it comes to keeping your harlequins alive, which y- it used to be a big problem. Okay, uh, so these are all all like uh, special abilities that you can sort of trade in their bone stock special abilities, like uh, the shadow seers. Is it minus one to wound? So uh, infantry around him normally. And correct. Then- However, there is a stratagem where you can spend a command point and keep your bonus and add an additional bonus in on top of the bonus that they have. Okay, so you you have some flexibility. Quick question: Do you think that you, when you you'll choose those those things at list design, or do you get to choose them when you sit down on the table and see what you're playing against? If you choose to replace their special rule um the pivotal role becomes part of the army list if you choose to spend the command point to add it to their existing uh rule then that is done pre-game okay cool so that makes sense so then you you have you develop your basic strategy and then if you sit down and you have some flexibility ability you'd be like well i'm gonna need x whatever x is and you can just add it on the fly like you know adding a relic for someone else i mean they have to denote their warlord typically but this is like adding additional so I like Correct. that. That's cool. Yeah, yep. you might not always want to give your solitaire an additional minus one to be hit. However, every once in a while, you know, he's going to get stuck in, or he's play- facing uh, units that have lots of uh, lots of attacks. And you want to sort of lower the risk. You can pay that extra command point, so he keeps his blitz and also gets a minus one to be hit. Oh, also, you could give him the suit of hidden knives. And yes. giving him just a flat-out minus one is pretty gross on that, right? So explain that interaction for people, because that's actually kind of cool, using one of their original relics. So for all you uh, 40K Today fans out there, that's what we in the professional scene call butt knives, where um, you <laughs> make a Harlequin so hard to hit, a Harlequin solitaire so hard to hit, that the unit that attacks the solitaire kills themselves. Um, the pseudo-hidden knives means that for every miss that the enemy does in close combat against you, you take a mortal wound on a 2+, I believe, or a 4+. Um, it's one of those. I have it right here, actually. <clears throat> Hold on. Do you want to edit this out real quick? Just let me check that. <clears throat> do, do, do. Yep. No knives. Is... I think it's actually for every one you roll to hit. 
Swear, is it just automatic? I haven't used it in a long time. Uh, no, I think it's, it's on a, a two plus. plus. On a two plus, yeah. Right. <clears throat> let me. <clears throat> let me. Uh, where do you want to cut it? I'll just say it again. Just cut in here. So the pseudo hidden knives is every time an enemy unit, basic an enemy model rolls a one to hit in the fight phase on a two plus, that model's unit suffers a mortal wound, which means you can make a harlequin. <laughs> you can make a a um a uh, uh solitaire. solitaire minus one to be hit with his new pivotal roll in addition to giving him a uh, a minus one to be hit with uh, lightning fast reflexes giving him an additional minus one to be hit with a psychic power and then casting a minus one to hit on the enemy unit that is going to be attacking uh, the solitaire. Um, <laughs> what's, what's really funny about that is too, you can you can cast it on the unit and then charge him with the solitaire. He kills some, and they don't have the option to not swing back. And correct. And in that case, for every one, two, three, four, or five they roll, they're going to take a mortal wound on a two plus. So. Correct, because uh, you know uh, modified it becomes a one, and therefore on a two plus. So I've seen entire orc units kill themselves when enough of them have had to attack the the solitaire <laughs> which is uh is one of those sneaky shenanigans and i feel like this harlequin update only serves to enhance this already uh, bag of tricks that they can just sort of use that is becoming more and more relevant in the competitive scene cool well let's go over a couple more highlights what, what else did so they got customization of the characters that's pretty cool Gave a good example of that. What else did they get? The other thing they get is some really cool movement uh, shenanigans. Uh, and movement in this game is one of the most powerful things you can use. Movement is one of the only things you can control, which is why it is so powerful. It doesn't have to do with dice. It doesn't have to do with you know averages. Um, it is something you can pick to move something. So anything that messes around with that tends to be very, very powerful, whether denying movement or enhancing movement. One of the coolest um, new stratagems that Harlequin's got allows a unit to move or fall back in place of consolidating, which means that you could potentially have a unit of, say, Harlequin jet bikes charge in, before the enemy unit gets to attack, right when that unit consolidates, you spend the command points to then run away with the jet bike unit, which means that unit that you attack never gets to hit you back, number one. Number two, it can, can, be, it can be combined with the double fight stratagem as well. So you can have a Harlequin unit charge two completely different units, attack the first unit, spend the command points to essentially move away from the combat, and then spend the double CP, uh, the double attack to attack the second unit <laughs> before either unit has gotten to a swing at them and then move away from that second unit as well or wrap or whatever it is they need to do, which means they can be bouncing around all over the place. And that sort of movement stuff is crazy good. So I think... In a word, if we were going to use a word to describe the new Harlequin book, it sounds like shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> um, is there a rule that the game needs to follow? Harlequins can break it. So I love it. Fantastic. Well, you heard it here first, folks. The Harleys got their shenanigans, and you should be watching it out on a table near you. That's Archon Scurry. Don't they look amazing now, the Harlequins? I say look amazing. The rules look amazing. There are a lot of good reviews for them. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out on the tabletop. Next up on the show, the team at Cold Open Stories 
has been running a short story competition called Fast Fiction. We're going to speak to the winner. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Today's episode of 40K Today is brought to you by Frontline Gaming. Frontline Gaming is a one-stop shop for all your Warhammer hobby needs, discounted products, American-made gaming mats and terrain, and a full line of miniatures painting service and daily hobby content. And this can all be found at frontlinegaming.org. Welcome back. One of the best parts of the 40K universe is the lore. It's so vast, and it's really cool to explore it all uh, in all sorts of different ways. I'm a big fan of the Black Library books. I think it's a big part of the hobby, and we don't talk about it enough. Cold Open Stories is a group who publish stories online, fan fiction, unofficial from the 40K universe. And they give us more fun and engaging ways to engage with their stories and also their audio dramas. So they've just run a competition called Fast Fiction. And this week we spoke to Delio Pera, who was the winner. He had his short story published by Cold Open Stories. I managed to speak to Delio about his fiction and about being part of the competition. Delio, thanks for joining us on the show. Really appreciate your time and uh, congratulations on... Are we going to say winning? Is that what we say? Winning, winning the competition, winning the contest. I, I guess so. Yeah, there was no prize per se. Um, just be getting first place and getting published, but that that was prize enough for me. It was the first contest I've ever done like that. Is it really? This is the first time you've entered a story into a into a short story competition. Uh, I think yes. I think I entered a poem a while ago just for the the heck of it. I saw a local library did a thing, but um, yeah, I think this is the first story that I've put into a contest. Yeah. So let's talk about the story in a second. We'll get to that, but what I want to start with the beginning, which is I think your entry into 40k and your understanding of the law. Are you a big reader of 40k books before this point? Uh, not terribly i've only really got into 40k in the past eight months or so but i definitely i definitely like the lore there's the gaming side the painting side the building side and then the lore side and i'd say of those three it's the lore side and the storytelling side of the 40k universe that has uh, drawn me in the most for sure you also do a thing uh on your own podcast where you read 40k stories have i got that right that's yeah, that is correct. Yeah, so that started. Um, I think it was about four stories into the psychic awakening thing. They just, I think they started that what last August of 2019. So I kind of got into it maybe a month or two after that. And I, as kind of diving into the lore and watching a lot of YouTube videos, there's tons and tons of them, but I, I didn't see anybody doing too many stories. And I think that's partly due to Games Workshop saying, you know, hey, we don't want you reading our stuff, but. I kind of think that the stuff that they're putting out for free on their website was fair game. And I've started doing these critiques of the stories and the writing of them more for myself to just kind of learn, hey, can I find the errors here or the good stuff here? And where is it? And yeah, it's, it, I, I never really intended to do narration, but it's turned into a thing. And I've been told a few times that I have a halfway decent voice. So I thought, hey, let me give this a wing. And it, it's been received well. Now, let's talk about the story itself, her name, mm. wh- which uh, I've read through twice now and I love it and there's so much in there that I want to kind of um, pick your brains about but let's start with where the idea came from 
Okay, well, that is very easy because they, for the fast fiction contest for April, they made it very simple. That you had to have something th- themed around the 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 word that they had, and for April, that word was reclaim. So how you can interpret that in any number of ways, but the first thing that came to my mind was somebody that wanted their name back. And then as I kind of pondered that a little bit more, I saw a girl that had somehow lost her name, and I thought that'd be that's a really important thing to somebody to have a name. And and then I had to think, well, why, how had she lost this name? Why didn't she have a name? How could somebody lose their name? And the the planet that I set this on, the Shrine World of Palma Alternum, is one that I had. had visited before in my previous submission to cold open stories called between the lines about a sister battle traveling these subterranean libraries that run for hundreds if not thousands of miles they're just collections of books and scrolls many of them just lost and forgotten and so there's just endless libraries and i thought well let's go back to that planet i had a lot of fun writing that one and we'll have a girl just this lowly outcast girl that there's only so many names that this planet or that the sister hospitalers can give out in a day. And this girl, she was one of the unlucky ones. They'd ran out of names. So all she got was a number, but she didn't even have that number because it turned to mush because she was left out in the rain. But she was able to figure out who was born right before her, the last girl to get a name on that day. So she hunts this girl down to reclaim what she thinks is rightfully hers, which I mean, it kind of isn't, but that's not how she sees it. No, hundred percent. The way she gets it back is is uh, <laughs> is great. You know, gruesome but great. Um, and th- there are some ideas in there as well that I am now a bit like you. I've only been in the game for a, a couple of years, and I've read some law, but not a lot of it is space marine law. So, is Sin Seed is that your creation, or is that uh, something you've read about previously elsewhere? No, it's totally my own creation. I, I um, yeah, I just thought. You know, there's probably some weird funguses and molds that would grow on some books. And so these were holy texts, but then you you take a holy text, you get a mold that's on it. So it's this decaying thing growing on a holy text and you press it into this weird oil and then it turns into sin seed oil. So I I don't don't know. I just thought it was, and it it just, with most of my writing, I don't plan anything out. I just start (laughs) typing and then this stuff comes out. Yeah. Yeah, often that's the best way. Listen, I want to uh, first of all congratulate you on on placing first in this. Secondly, congratulate you on getting something published, which is something a lot of people mm. never have, have achieved. And uh, on just on the quality of the story, I love a lot of the ideas in it and the way you describe the libraries and the way you're touching on a world that you've obviously visited before and are really familiar with, and you make us familiar with it too. It's a really clever story. It's beautifully told, and it's a deserved winner. So congratulations. Well done. Um, Thank you. And we're really encouraging people to go to Cold Open Stories. I've got to say I'm a big fan of everything they do. Go and have a read of Delio's story and all of the other short fiction. Have a listen to the audio dramas. It's really quality stuff. Delio, thanks for your time. Of course. Thank you. That's Delio Pera. The link to his story, which is published via Cold Open Stories, is in the show notes. It's super cool. By the way, if you haven't seen them before, go to Cold Open Stories and have a look at some of the work. Really, listen to the audio dramas Have a look at the stories. It's very, very cool, unofficial 40K fan fiction. The Army Painter. You've probably heard of the Army Painter. They make paint and brushes and so on. They're purveyors of everything you ever need to get your armies on the table. And they had major plans for expansion this year. You know, there was this global pandemic thing that got in the way. So they shifted gears. It was an expert shift too. With the new equipment in their factories, they put it to good use making hand sanitizer. It was called Nordic Shield. During the week, John DeMaris sat down and chatted with Adam Abramowicz from 
the army painter, about how it came about. And he gave us a ton of great insight and, as an added bonus, was able to tell us about their newest product. Hello, Mr. Abramowitz uh, from the Army Painter. Let's talk a little bit about Nordic Shield. I know you last time you came on the show, you had talked about your plans to launch it. Now it's officially launched. You guys have gotten hand sanitizer in the hands of students. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how that's going and where you guys are at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a, a very exciting time. It was a scary time for us when we first ventured into producing hand sanitizer, as I told you, when you were kind enough to have me on the show before to talk about it. You know, we had the ability to do it and we felt the need to. We just didn't know, even at that time, how great the need was. Um, so we we went about getting the, the the raw ethanol from a local gin distiller and producing our own hand sanitizer with you know e vitamins and aloe vera, glycerin, all these great things. Eighty percent alcohol content, which is usually it's right around twenty percent more than what's standard on the market, and it's what the WHO and the CDC recommends to kill viruses like COVID nineteen, the coronavirus. So. Uh, we didn't just make hand sanitizer, we made one of the most powerful hand sanitizers on the market today. Uh, we were able to donate uh, free hand sanitizer to local schools in Denmark so the kids returning to school as they open back up the nation were able to go to school and have clean hands so they could focus on learning and nothing else. And, you know, for anybody that has, you know, children at home this, at, at this point in time, it's affecting them greatly. Um, you know, I know even my now just turned five-year-old, she knows what the coronavirus is and she has that in the back of her mind every day. So if we could just take a little bit of the load off for these kids as they go back to school, then we feel like our job is accomplished. But we've gotten to the point now where we're ready to distribute and uh, find this this new product, the Nordic Shield, uh, into the distribution channels where it can find the areas that it's needed most, places like New York, places like Spain that have been hit the absolute hardest. And it's it's even more important now as states and countries are reopening that we have clean hands because doctors still say that that's the number one way to protect yourself from COVID-19. So that's really exciting. What I think is really cool about it is because it's going to be distributed by game store distributors like, right. you know, ACD and, and the like, um, your game store is going to be able to get a hold of this high quality sanitizer just with the normal everyday orders that they make. Exactly. So it gives them access to providing a safe environment for us gamers because we like to hang out at the game store. So I think uh, it's going to be a really big deal. So maybe just if you guys are a listener to this, ask your game store to inquire about getting it because it's like, like Adam said, it's a high quality sanitizer and it's actually a very difficult thing to get a hold of. So yeah, it um, is. I know when I go to Walmart, the shelves are pretty much empty. So uh, my, my wife is a dentist and she works in, in, you know, the healthcare field and she has a very difficult time and has for months getting her hands on hand sanitizer, let alone other personal protection equipment for her and her staff. Um, so for the game stores, it, it, chances are it's going to be slightly differently branded. It might not be the Nordic Shield. It might be the Army. We're not quite sure how we're going to do it, but it's definitely going to be very game and nerd focused, which we're very excited about. It's going to come in our standard 18 milliliter bottles. Uh, so, you know, when you're sitting there, you got to think about it. When we're playing a game like Warhammer 40K or, you know, X-Wing, we're touching each other's models. We're touching each other's dice. We're touching the same terrain. We've got our hands on the mats. We're high-fiving. You know, we, we come in contact with each other quite a bit as we're playing these games. So it's it's very important that we keep ourselves sanitized and clean so we're not transferring this virus from gamer to gamer. So, yeah, we're definitely very excited. We do know a couple Absolutely. of distributors yeah. have, have picked up 
uh, several thousand bottles. So when the game stores are ready and able to open, they will be able to stock it and, and keep it on their shelves. Very cool. Well, let's let's change gears a little bit. From what I understand, Army Painter is in the middle of a huge expansion, which includes moving to bigger manufacturing facilities. So congratulations on that. And then also, I wondered if you wanted to give our listeners maybe a sneak peek of some cool new products that are coming down the pipe. Oh, you know I love to talk about new products, Sean. You, you, you hit me right where, right in the feels, because that's my favorite thing to talk about. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We are in the middle of a big <laughs> expansion. Uh, this was planned before pre-COVID, um, and we, we were very concerned that we weren't going to be able to do it because you know nobody knew what was going to happen to sales. And we've had a, a few strong years. Um, we've been working really hard to grow the Army Painter presence in the global market, and we've done a very good job of that. Uh, you know, I like to say when I started at the company th- only three years ago, I was the 17th hire. Um, now we have over, I believe, 35 new employees. We were working out of a facility that they had been in since year one. They started in Bo's shed, literally his red shed on his property. Um, they were fulfilling orders for uh, quick shade and battlefields, and then color primers happened. And when we came out with color primers, the, the business grew a, a great deal in year one, year two. And we've been in that same facility, but we've overgrown it. Um, we couldn't couldn't expand into it any further. We went from uh, just a few hundred square feet to almost taking over the entire complex, and we've had nowhere to grow. You know, the the best thing that you can uh, for anybody that's warehousing and distributing product is is lots of headspace, and we had very little headspace in at this location. So we're excited. We're moving from Herning, Denmark, to Skanderborg, and. This new facility is great. It's solar powered, which is awesome. Um, you know, so we've got solar panels in the front of the building. It's much larger. Uh, you're going to have great gaming space, which we're really excited about. And it's just been very exciting to be a part of the growth of this company and, and to see this company succeed. Um, and you know, part of that growth that was that pending growth that enabled us to produce the hand sanitizer to begin with was the fact that we purchased a second machine to produce paints. We were going to double our output of paint for the global market. And, you know, because we had this second machine just waiting to be assembled and built, we said, okay, let's build this now and let's make hand sanitizer with it, which has been really cool. Um, we did have a very, at the beginning of the year, January 1st, it was going to be a crazy year for new releases for us. Uh, it was like two new releases every month almost. And we were worried in the, the marketing and sales departments, how we were going to keep up. Um, and obviously that's been slowed down a little bit, you know, COVID has affected our, our ability to produce and secure product and create product, but we do have some really new and exciting products on the way, uh, the middle of June, we'll see the debut. I think we talked about it briefly on the, the last call, our hydro pack refills for the wet palette are going to be, you know, hitting streets middle of June. And so will our brand new airbrush medium two in one flow improver and thinner to convert your war paints into airbrush ready paints. We're very excited about that. And if you've been paying attention and following along to the army painter on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you'll see that we've developed a new product for us. It's uh, We're calling it the Master Clash Dry Brush Series. These are goat hair, uh, dome-shaped bristle dry brushes that are, I mean, top-notch. I've produced uh, six videos in the past week uh, showcasing how these, these dry brushes work and, and behave compared to your traditional flat dry brushes. And they're just, the results are incredible. You can do so much with it beyond dry brushing, like push blending and stippling. We're very excited about this. This is going to be an extremely high-end product, like I said, made with premium goat hair, which is very stiff. It stands up to a lot of hard work and abuse, and it dries insanely fast. 
and it's going to retail for about 20 US dollars. When you compare that to other similar products on the marketplace, there's just no competition for it. So the pre-order for that opens up Friday the 26th. If I'm remembering my days correctly, we're all kind of lost in the time warp here, uh, staying at home, sheltering in place. I believe it's Friday the 26th. That pre-order will go live and should be about a September street date. So if you're interested in getting your hands on these new premium dry brushes, definitely stay tuned to the Army Painter on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for that pre-order date. All right. Well, that sounds like fantastic news, Adam. Thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you, John. That's Adam from the Army Painter. Let's all go support the Nordic Shield by giving them a follow on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. Okay, folks, who's ready to sing along? The model of the day, the model of the day, the model of the day. So every day during our regular weekday show, we have a feature called The Model of the Day, and this song will get stuck in your head forever, and that's okay. This week, we've been able to show off some stunning work, all sorts of amazing work. But on Friday, we had something really special, and so that's going to be our model of the week. It's a Tyrannocyte model, which is literally in utero. Luke, a guy named Luke, from actually from the north of England, but living in New Zealand now, has a blog called Monkey Chucker. He's created a Tyrannocyte womb. The Tyrannocyte itself is amazingly well painted and crafted. It splits in half. So it just looks like a normal model, but then it splits in half and opens, and inside it is a Tyranid baby and a bunch of eggs and all sorts of other bits and pieces. The model is so beautifully done Uh, for the conversion and the painting. Pictures are on our Facebook and on our Instagram. What I'd love for you to do, though, is go to Luke's blog, Monkey Chucker, and see the whole story of how he created it. The link to it is in our show notes. And as always, if you have a model that should feature on our show during the week or if you've seen a model, let us know about it. We'd love to hear about it. And that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You still have time, by the way, to enter our mega 40K prize giveaway. Along with Art of War, we have $5,000 US worth of prizes to give away. If you go to 40kprizes.com to enter, use the word DAILY40K. That's the code word, DAILY40K, for an extra five entries into the competition. I want to say a big thanks to our content producer, Alex Painter, our social media guru, Tanya Gates, and our technical producer, Seamus Ronan, for all of their hard work and once again putting a big show together. If you have anything you should, uh, think should feature on our program, please get in touch. You can just get hold of us via 40K today on Facebook. Uh, make sure you join us during the week. Val Heffelfinger from 40K Stats Centre is with us. He's got some big news he wants to share. So we'll see you on Monday. Until then, for the 40K Today team, I'm Steve Joel. Thanks to Frontline Gaming Network for having us. That's what's happening in 40K today. 